and welcome to uh, the podcast takeover. Um, this week I'm Charlotte taking over from Charlie doing a podcast and I'm, I'm joined with Philip Marshall who um, is a part of the London Library. Hello Philip. Hi Charlotte, how are you? Good, thank you. Okay. Um, this is my first podcast takeover so I'm feeling a lot of nervous so if there's any points where I do come across as slightly distressed that'll be why. <laughs> um, but um, Philip, um, people from the creation audiences um, know who I am and if you've been to the shows you probably see me on the front desk. Um, or around um, the person who you usually asks questions to about uh, bag size in some cases. Um, but other than that, um, Philip, uh, people don't know you in the creation audience, so please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the library. Sure. Um, so I'm the director of the library. I've been here for about 18 months now. Um, so director, used to be called librarian of the library, but it's basically the chief executive of the library. Um, so I'm responsible for everything that goes on here really nice. and uh, yeah it's it's a wonderful place to work and how many people are working at the library currently do you know we have about 60 people 60 people because mm-hmm. we've met some of the people who have been working at the library um, in terms of uh, the security staff who've been an amazing help um, it's in usually in creation shows it kind of works that we have a small team of people who get to show in um, to add uh, the space and it's a lot of chair carrying but it seems you've come to the library and there's guys who are helping take the chairs and the set up the stairs and out of the container. Um, so it's been amazing to have uh, Ruben and his team help with that. And then all the front of house team at the library have been amazing as well. So we've kind of had a good understanding of you know all the different types of people who work at the library because even people from the offices who work in the library have helped with um, ushering and mm. doing front of house. So it's been a really active uh, part in the library. Um, so yeah, I think more than half of the staff have have helped in some yeah. direct way, either as you say, ushering, selling ice creams and drinks, Which moving really furniture. Nice. <laughs> you know. it's, it's nice in terms of um, I, for the first time the other night, did. Um, the ASM duties, which is assistant stage manager duties, um, which is a lot of opening mm. windows and tapping um, and helping the cast in and right. out of costumes. And I kind of panicked about that role, much like doing the podcast for the first time, uh, because it kind of throws you out the comfort zone of your usual job. So I've met lots of uh, the people who work in the library mm. who've even found ushering throwing them out of the usual comfort zone yes. of being like, don't know what I'm doing. This is so weird. <laughs> Usually I'm in an office. I don't have to talk to members of the public um, in terms of telling them where to sit or, or what to do or, you know, general front of house questions. So I think that it's been nice to have a shift up uh, and give people the opportunity mm. to do something they wouldn't usually do, mm. um, which is be a part of this crazy show. No, I think they've all enjoyed it very much. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. We wouldn't like to take over the library and have people <laughs> pointed miserable. So I think that if we're leaving yeah. on a good note, um, then this is this is fantastic. Um, two amazing things that have happened um, within the um, past few months. The first being that um, the performance happened in mm-hmm. the library. Uh, so the first performance to ever happen in the library uh, was uh, Creation Theatre's Dracula, which is really exciting for our kind of uh, uh, creation shows of past, the first one to perform in the library. Um, and the second being um, that uh, Bram Stoker researched the novel here um, could you tell me a little bit more about mm, that? Of course. Well, <clears throat> I mean, the library's been here for over 175 years. Um, it was founded in 1841 um, by Thomas Carlyle. Uh, he, was, well, he was really the driving force behind it, the writer, mm-hmm. philosopher. He wrote um, History of the French Revolution. is one of the things he's very famous for. And he was living in Chelsea and having to work at the British Museum over in Bloomsbury, using the library there. 
Um, and he didn't he didn't like it because it wasn't open for very long during the day. He couldn't uh, he couldn't get the books out uh, to borrow them and take them home. That was mm-hmm. the main thing. There were other things as well. He didn't like the librarian there, but um, <laughs> he, he he couldn't take the books home. He felt you should be able to to read quietly alone mm. with a book and get the most out of it. You could. And he was aware that um, other parts of the world, in fact, even the north of England had lending libraries and London didn't. Yeah. Um, this is before public libraries, you know, the public libraries activating 51. So we're, we're sort of 10 years before that. Um, and he started to beat the drum for having a lending library uh, and eventually um, got together a group of like-minded people, including Charles Dickens, very yeah. notably John Stuart Mill, um, Gladstone who wasn't Prime Minister then, he became Prime Minister later, Prince Albert, who became the first royal patron of the library. Uh, and, and these were all some young men, really, at the yeah. time. Um, Charles Darwin, a few years later, William Makepeace Thackeray. So uh, it, there was this, this wonderful body of writers that has, has carried the library through, actually. Its, its history has been littered with great names of writing. And of theatre, yeah. um, whether they be playwrights or actors. And, uh, and Bram Stoker actually fits into both categories because he's obviously famous for writing Dracula. Yeah. But he was um, a theatre manager at the time that he joined the library mm. in 1890. He was, his application form says um, that he's acting manager at the Lyceum Theatre. And the Lyceum Theatre um, was Henry Irving's theatre, the great Victorian actor. So Irving was his boss. And, um, and Irving joined in 1890 as well. Um, and so we knew Stoker had been a member in 1890, and we, we knew that he'd left membership in 1897, which was the year that uh, he published Dracula, yeah. and the library acquired a, a copy of it. And we knew that, and the fact then that I wanted to, when I joined the library, start to do a lot more activity and events here, um, which we started with a speaker programme and panel discussions and so on, we wanted to think, well, are there other things we could do? Is there performance we could do in the library? We'd never done a play before. And I happened to see, in fact, my wife actually happened to see, we we live um, in Oxfordshire, and happened to see that... Uh, you were doing Dracula in in Blackwell's Amazing. bookshop, so said okay, let's let's go along and and check that out. It'll be fun anyway. Yeah, and uh, we really enjoyed it. But because the the size, the scale of the show, and the fact that it was in a bookshop was made it very easy for me to picture it happening in the reading room yeah. with a similar sort of size audience, um, and and how it, how it could work. And I thought this. This could be great. This could be just the thing we're looking for, which would publicise the fact that Stoker was a member. Um, we didn't know at that point just how closely we could tie it to yeah. his writing of Dracula here. Um, and so I got in touch, I think, you know, a couple of days later with Lucy yeah. and said, would you like to talk about bringing it to London? And she was very keen. So we, we had a, a, a couple of meetings yeah. here. And at the second one, when it was really, I think the technical team came in to look and see if they could stage it, mm-hmm. um, we uh, we started thinking about fundraising for it. And my colleague, Philip Spedding, who's our fundraising director, um, was, was at the meeting. And we started to talk about whether there was more that could be discovered about the connection with Bram Stoker and the library and writing Dracula. And uh, we certainly felt that would help in any case for support um in fact we did wonder whether actually what we would need to be saying in our 
case for funding support would be that we could find out more and if we could be funded to find out more that would be wonderful but Philip went off and within a very short space of time made a very exciting discovery mm. um, here within the library he he found that Bram Stoker had taken some very detailed notes um, when he wrote Dracula of the books he was using and that those notes had been published. He he had terrible handwriting, and 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 so they'd been published. Sometimes pub- we do. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, and and so he his notes had been effectively translated, uh, transcribed, uh, in two thousand eight, and we had a copy of that book. So you see in the book the facsimile copy of the handwritten notes, and then the the the, the typed explanation of what he's actually noted down, and and Philip found that there was uh, about thirty books specifically mentioned yeah. from Stoker's research. Um, Stoker never went to Transylvania, so he had borrowed a lot of books around about that Done part of research. the world. Exactly. Uh, and uh, and he had um, also used a lot of books around uh, superstitions and werewolves and so yeah. on. And, uh, and, of course, vampires. And he um, uh, had... had Philip then went, went to, to, to see if we still had any of those books on our shelves. And... Of the 30 books that Stoker had referenced in detail, 26 of them were still on our shelves and had been on our shelves then. So we were thinking, well, maybe these could be the the exact books. Um, So he went and he had a look. And the the very clear detailed references that Stoker made to books, page numbers, expressions, uh, you could find then in, in the books. But... More excitingly, you could find pencil marks by these words, page turned down sometimes, not necessarily have been him, but there was an extremely strong correlation. So it made us think, hmm, interesting, maybe, maybe these were Bram's uh, markings. And then there was a book that um, had been uh, in, in the notes of Stoker, but had not been in our collection at the time, but had since come into our collection. It's a very old book from 1675, um, and uh, and we had it, and it bore those exact same sorts of markings. Um, and the reason it hadn't been in our collection at the time was that it had actually been in Stoker's personal collection, and his son had donated it to the library in the 1930s. So this then made us realise that Stoker was marking up his own books, and was therefore quite likely to have been marking up the library's books in the same way. <laughs> So we had that. A creature of habit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then, uh, to, to further uh, add, add a, a bit more evidence to it, and we did have some academics come in and look at the handwriting, mm. where there was handwriting, and it seemed to suggest it could be Stoker's again. But there's a book of the sort of sayings of Whitby, you know, dialect of Whitby, yeah. um, that he uses again in the book. And uh, this book, this one, actually didn't have pencil markings in it. But a piece of paper fell out um, when Philip was flicking through it. And that piece of paper was a newspaper cutting, quite small, that um, is, has a story entitled uh, Mr Henry Irving's Tour of America. Um, and it talks of Henry Irving's successful acting tour of America. Yeah. So this is, of course, this is Stam's, uh, yeah. Bram Stoker's boss um, and a record of a tour that happened a few years before um, Stoker published Dracula. So what we surmise is that he was reading this book. Amazing. He needed a bookmark. He grabbed, you know, a, a paper cutting that he'd made a few years earlier that was on his desk, 
slipped it in the book. It had, has also got some handwriting on the newspaper cutting, which we and think this it is. is um, Philip Spedding. So Philip Spedding made... This is uh, it, yeah. Uh, this is great. Uh, it's kind of like buying numbers. one of those cardigans in a charity shop and finding a really interesting list in a pocket and being like, oh, this is amazing, this belongs to someone. He, uh, and the excitement that you get where someone, you know, that you don't know has, you know, in, inscribed on this and put a lot of history into the thing that you have. And the fact that he opened it and... Bram Stoker's bookmark fell out is <laughs> incredible. I know, and, and, and Philip um, talks about what a spine-tingling moment that was. I think there were a few along yeah. the way, but that one just made it absolutely clear that this this must have been the collection of books that Stoker yeah. was using. Um, it, 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 um, uh, it It's just a, a wonderful confirmation. And people had thought he'd been using the, the British Museum Library, yeah. um, but... Uh, what is now the British Library, provided us with a, a, a copy of a letter that Stoker had written to them in the early 20th century, saying, could I please have a new reader's ticket? Because I, I did used to have one, um, but I haven't seen it for 20 years. And that would have covered the period of time that he, people thought he was you know, right, using it to write ah. Dracula. So um, it, it, we feel it's beyond doubt that these are the actual books. And now, sadly, I suppose, if there's a sad side to it, is those books have now come off the open shelves. Yeah. Um, some of them are in display cases now while yeah. the play's on, but um, they, won't, they won't be generally borrowed now, yeah. and, um, which is a bit sad because that's what the library has always been, a lending library. And part of the fun is that these books have been used by many, many people after Bram Stoker, yeah. um, including the one with the newspaper cutting in, which has also been rebound since, yeah. um, since then, but it's so with the rebounding, has someone left the, the papers and stuff that's been found in the book? Just rebound it. Yeah, and left it and left it in there. Amazing. Absolutely, and 120 years later, it, it you know makes our case Keeping for it. History. It's absolutely fantastic. So we discovered uh, this at the same time as uh, knowing that we wanted to do the play. We did make an application for funding to the Arts Council. Sadly, we weren't able to get it, but we felt so strongly about. Uh, how wonderful it would be to put this particular play on yeah. um, and uh, that we we, we we took a punt on it basically and did it and we're so glad we did we had wonderful um, press around the discovery yeah. that we'd made um, and and at the same time we were able to announce that we would be doing the play and start selling the tickets for the play and then the reaction to the play has been fantastic and as you know we've We've basically been sold out and we extended the run, yeah. which is also sold out. So, Since the beginning um, of time. Since the beginning of the show, which has been amazing. Marvellous, marvellous. Um, out of all the, um, the kind of uh, uh, shows that we've done, um, this has been um, a really exciting one of kind of you know, taking it to, to, a, to a London space that is not usually used um, uh, for theatre because we do this a lot in, in Oxford and go into interesting space, spaces, but in terms of doing it in London... We have done some outdoor bits, but never kind of been let into a space mm-hmm. um, to take over it. And I know from um, our team side, um, Bart and Sophie and Lucy and Emily um, and the creative team um, and all the creation team um, have loved kind of being let into a space. Because um, I think that creation, if you come, kind of come and work with, with us, it tends to feel a bit like home. And we've really been made to feel welcome in the library and that no question is too, too big a ask. And people are always ready to help, which is amazing. Um, and in terms of doing stuff in the future, we'd love to kind of do more stuff. Um, <laughs> and of all the writers, 
um, if we're proposing now something to Lucy Askew to say this is the next show out of all the writers um, or um, that you have known um, in, in or out of the library uh, which show would you like to see in the library uh, next? Wow, what a question. Um, so, Lucy Askew, if you're listening, this one's for you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny, well, you've, you've covered a couple of our writers in your repertoire already because mm. I came to see um, Swallows and Amazons Amazing. in the University yeah, Parks, yeah. which was wonderful. And, uh, a harder one to put in the library. Uh, indeed, Arthur <laughs> Ransom was a member for a long time. Um, but we do, of course, have the, the gardens outside. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. But um, uh, Felicity came to see, I didn't see, Brave New World. Yes. But I've, I've talked to other people who saw that, which in the Westgate Shopping Centre. Yeah. So Aldous Huxley was a member for, again, a very long time while he, um, while he was writing... Brave New World and many of his others. Um, so he's a he's a really interesting character. Um, but in terms of ones that uh, um, actually J M Barry, I know because you did Peter Pan. J M Barry didn't ever quite become a member, but he was in close correspondence with the library. I discovered uh, some letters from him in our archives just Come recently. On, join us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so in terms of other members, well, I mean Virginia Woolf was a life member from the age of twenty two. Um, so she's a she's a great character, I think, to um, to to do something with. Um, let's see. I mean, the, the members we've had have been so fantastic over the years. We've had E.M. Forster, um, Kipling, Conan Doyle, Fleming, Amazing. Agatha Christie, um, Conran. Um, one, I mean, just wonderful. I mean, we've had we've had playwrights as well. I mean, many of them are. Uh, are still living and still producing yeah. work. I'm not sure quite how that would impact. <laughs> um, but Tom Stoppard, David Hare, um, Alan Bennett, all you know, members. Yeah. Pinter was. Um, so we have uh, we have, we've got a wealth of things to choose from. I, I mean, Lucy will no doubt be able to make suggestions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, the library has been an absolutely wonderful place um, to perform. We have two shows left. Um, by the time this podcast will be going out, I think that we might have finished. Um, if I am able to edit it quickly. Um, but other than that, we uh, the library has membership, um, and if you're interested in becoming a member, um, get in touch with the library. Um, if I lived close to the library, I think that I would become a member um, 100%, because it's a wonderful space to be. Um, but we have some exciting stuff coming out, so uh, make sure you look out for those on the different platforms, um, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you very much, and thank you very much to you. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Creation Theatre podcast. You can find more episodes and all the latest creation news at creationtheatre.co.uk. Thank you.